This is Made in America with Neil Asbury and Rich Rothman. Welcome to Made in America. I'm so, so happy that you joined us today. We got a lot to talk about, some really big, impactful things. Uh, that is, is, I'm sure you're seeing it in the workplace. I'm sure it's, it's uh, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere you go. But obviously, it's impacting our jobs and our entrepreneurs, our small businesses, our risk takers. For them to go out there and to do what they do is to build our economy. And and folks are struggling right now. And not only with, uh, you know, the political situation and dysfunction in our country, but certainly inflation. Rich, you know, you brought up earlier about how inflation has just canceled, has canceled any sort of uh, wage increases that we've had over the last year. I mean, People are behind, right? I mean, if you got a nice big raise, you celebrated, boom, 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 eight, nine months ago, you know, right now you're not celebrating anymore. No, they did that under Trump. See, Trump had actual wage growth and, you know, 1.9% inflation, basically no inflation. But this situation, they're behind the eight ball. And it was prior until, you know, uh, last month, uh, $3,500 more for their family to feed and take care of themselves. Now it's up to $5,000 as inflation hits 7.5%. Uh, this week. Highest since 1982. But we've seen a lot of revolt, uh, especially in the blue states, of just small businesses and entrepreneurs saying, I gotta gotta run my business here, man. I have everything on the line. And then they go out there, they try to open up more regulation, more restrictions. And, And also, folks, we've had folks on our radio show that tried to open their businesses and are arrested and are shamed and are humiliated. And have even left their states and sold everything and got the hell out. Yeah, well, it, it, the sad part is there's, you know, they always say, you know, follow the science. Well, there's science as we understand it. And then there's political science as we look at with, you know, confusion in our the eyes. hypocrisy. Yeah, that, and, and yeah, exactly. Abram science. That's the yeah. confusion. And well, you know, I, we, we separated ourselves. We were, we, were, we were separated. It was all right. And I wanted the children to actually see me. And, and hear my voice. Well, I think everybody would like to be seen and have their voice heard, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue into our guest. We're really, really happy to have her with us. Uh, she is cut from the same cloth because she is also a talk radio show host and an executive producer of a very successful show, The Howie Carr Show. It's Grace Curley. She's a spectator, contributing writer, and the host of The Grace Curley Show as well. Grace, welcome to Made in America. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, so this masking, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really crazy. But you look at the blue states right now, and they're really backing away, right? The CDC, the federal government, you know, the, the, all of those things are still in place. But there's a revolt amongst the Democrat governors, and they're running away from this thing. I, I guess, are they looking at the polls or are they looking at the science? They're looking at the science. I mean, nothing has really evolved all that much in the last five days. None of this information that people like Dr. Lena Wen from CNN or any of these Democratic politicians are telling us is different than anything we've known for the last six months. And and really, you can even go back further for the last two years, especially when you look at this disease or or this virus in regards to children. And I think what you're going to see is people very frustrated because there's a lot of damage that has been done. And I think the overall um, idea behind a lot of this from parents is that it wasn't necessary. And there's nothing worse than pain and hurt when it's when it didn't have to happen and it didn't have to be this way. 
Well, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, um, but I do think it's the polls. I think the pulse of the nation, if you do a litmus test of what's out there right now, it, it, it's overwhelmingly saying we've had enough. And the fact that you're starting to see the, the, uh, the working class in America and the average American saying, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to this. And certain governors and certain elections have occurred in the last election, and they're moving forward, and they're looking and saying, wait a minute, in a few months from now, we're going to be you know, getting out there and electioneering, and we're going to be pushing and campaigning. And right now, the numbers look awful for the Democrats. And there could be a very, very, and I sincerely hope there is, red wave, because these people have to be put in their place of what they did. You're right. We knew all along that the science was there. And John Hopkins just last week made that empirically clear. What they said was wrong. What we said was right. We put America through an incredible strain and agony and angst for no reason. We didn't have to do this to our children. And, you know, you start messing with mothers and parents, you know, and, and they start something politically. That is an amazing movement to have forward. And I don't think they saw it coming. Yeah, and I think another point that I, I wonder a lot is whether or not uh, people are going to be easily fooled into believing. Like, this is how the Democrats operate. Okay, so they tell us for two years that we have to wear masks, that our children have to wear masks. And then one day they decide, never mind. And then by next week, they'll be saying, we were never for masks. Republicans were for masks. Like, this is how the narrative goes, and this is how they spin it. And I think they just, there's an expression, too cute by half. And I think that's what we're seeing here, where people are saying, hold on a second. You're not going, I don't have the memory of a goldfish. I'm not going to forget two years. And you just pointed out such a, such a great part of this, which is people are very, very tolerant of a lot of injustice. But when their kids get involved, people, it's like poking a bear. And these Democrats have poked the bears in this country. And that's where you're seeing a lot of this movement happening politically. And it's picking up a lot of steam because parents are fed up. And they poked specifically the mama bears, and, and yeah. they're the ones. They're the ones who get uh, most most emotional. Wait a minute! Have you ever seen a fight at a school board meeting? Give me a break! <laughs> you know, I have had three kids go through school over the years. I have gone to school board meetings. They're relatively benign. I have never seen people get beaten up at a school board meeting. It doesn't happen. So for us to get to that point, you've really poked somebody in the eye. But you know what's interesting is that I think we're living through the emperor's new clothes we are living through the emperor's new clothes when the emperor you know you know in 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 the in the uh, merkin fairy tale um, would uh, had this magnificent set of clothing made except there was no clothing and the and the emperor was going through the streets on his throne naked and no one said anything because everyone was afraid of the emperor you know afraid oh my god you say anything you're in big big trouble really big trouble worse than my aunt sophie <laughs> and, and and then some little kid in the you know watching the emperor go by says hey he's naked and all of a sudden, the next person says, you're right. And it's like a moment of epiphany. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the groundswell occurred and people, you know, the emperor became irrelevant. So I think we're at that point. You think we're almost there? Yeah, I do. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I said that to a friend of mine this morning. I said there seems to be almost like it's becoming popular again to push back a little bit against authority. And I think you're seeing that. We saw that with Joe Rogan, and, and in particular, I would say, with young people, with people my age. I, I have a quick story here. So I, I follow someone on Twitter and, and or on Instagram. She's a friend of mine from college. She's very, you know, anti-Trump, anti-this, anti-whatever. And the other day she put up a post that was anti-Gavin Newsom. And I thought, 
Well, isn't that interesting? Now, so, uh, people are having a little bit of an awakening, and it couldn't come at a more important time. I think it's out of sheer desperation. But I do see that. I see that with people who, who um, you know, who follow Dave Portnoy, who follow Joe Rogan, who follow Elon Musk on, on, on social media. They want free thinkers. And you see it with comedy. People are desperate to laugh and to have a good time and to not be so politically correct. And I think that when you think of politically correct, and out of touch and tone deaf, you think of Joe Biden, Ben Saki, and this whole administration of the best and brightest. And I think people are sick of it. <laughs> Grace Well said, let's let's listen to Congressman Jim Jordan. I mean, he he's kind of uh, wrapped things up here. Uh, good friend of ours. He's been on our show. Uh, he, he, he really has a way to articulate things. Let's listen to the congressman. Think about this. The science didn't change. The polls have changed. There's all these now Democrat governors who are relaxing the mask mandate on kids and relaxing some of the mandates, all because they saw what happened in Virginia a few months ago when Glenn Youngkin ran on this issue and won that election in a blue state. So I think that's what's driving some of this. So that's what needs to change, not going after these truckers and doing I mean, they can't bring gas to their truck, for goodness sake. This is the ridiculous. And here's the other thing, Martha. There's the other thing that, that everyone now understands. Everything we were told about this virus by the experts has turned out to be wrong. So, so great. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, they're focused on the wrong things. They're just plainly focused on the wrong things. It just became so political. They dug themselves a hole and they don't know how to get out of it. And they're just grasping. They're just grasping right now. But they know an election is coming up and they're going to get they're going to get shellacked. They're going to get, that's my favorite word, too, because I keep seeing it in all these articles that I see shellac and I, I get a big smile on my face. But I, another thing I just point out here, which I'm sure you guys have covered before, but it was interesting to see it in print, is that the New York Times had a piece on Governor Phil Murphy from New Jersey and how he came to this decision. And it actually cited the fact that he looked at focus groups. So this just goes back to what we were saying from the beginning. They're admitting that they're looking at the politics. They're not looking at the science. And if only they had looked at the politics of this two years ago, the cost of them not looking at the at the science from the beginning is a lot of damage to these children who are going to look at this. Bari Weiss from the New York Times put it beautifully. She said this is a catastrophic moral crime against the youth. And that's how they're going to see this going forward. So it's just despicable that it took this long. And I hope people don't let them forget it. I, I heard someone say we have to punish them at the polls. And I think that's that's exactly what needs to happen. Well, Rich, any final words in the, in the last 10 seconds we got? I agree with everything that lady said. <laughs> Grace. Well, Grace. It's at my cousin Vinny moment. <laughs> well, you, you summed it up beautifully for us today, Grace. Hey, come back and visit us again real soon. Anytime, guys. It was a pleasure. Coming up, Rich and I are going to have a discussion about economic freedom. We've got to get back to economic freedom. That's what it's all about, economic freedom. Freedom, 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 economic freedom. We've got to get back to economic freedom. We're going to talk about that just in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host... Dr. Rich Ruffman, we're so, so happy that you're with us today. I know we're just getting started here. Got a lot more to go. And uh, right now, Rich, let's talk a little bit about um, about economic freedom. I mean, isn't that what built this country, economic freedom? Uh, the freedom to invest, the freedom to make your own financial decisions. Creating wealth. 
And by the way, that means taking risk, right? That's correct. And that means a lot of people have created a lot of wealth, created a lot of jobs in the meantime, and they lost it because they've taken risk. And, you know, so there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. For those out there who are investing, parking their their money so it could be used effectively, uh, efficiently, and and purposely to create jobs, to do things, great things. Uh, you know, they're the backbone of America. They've always been the, the risk takers, the entrepreneurs. But yet, Rich, there's those that... Uh, that just want to destroy them. And, you know, hey, look, they're not doing anything. They're, you know, they're just a bunch of bloodsuckers. You know, they're not helping us. They're not helping the economy. It's a bunch of nonsense, Rich. It's complete nonsense. They just don't understand. Well, I mean, if you want to study history, look at Engels, Marx, Lenin. You can look at the Russian Revolution. You can look at the country that gave us the world of communism. And why don't you just look around the world and see the competing uh, economies? And when you look at the economies that are primarily socialist and communist, Marxist-oriented, um, they fail. Uh, Russia was a failure. I mean, we bankrupt Russia with our the power of capitalism without firing a bullet in the 80s. And, and Reagan did that. You know, if you look at Cuba, Cuba's an abject failure under uh, communism. Venezuela is, is the poster boy for... Um, uh, you know, the failure of Marxism and socialism. I mean, you can go country for country for country, and and that economy, those uh, 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 tenets of how you would run a country failed dramatically. And what was the one country that gave an opportunity for anybody, not not even the U.K., you know, with the Magna Carta, you still had an aristocracy, and the aristocracy really controlled you know, what was going on in the country, no matter what. It didn't matter there was a piece of paper saying Magna Carta. The aristocracy controlled it, the primogeniture, they passed it on from one generation to the next. But America was different. America was the great experiment, as it was called in the 1700s. And we created a different system. We created a system where you have the right to think, to believe, to try, and yes, to fail. But at least if you failed and you tried, at least you tried. So... The whole point was the creation of wealth that you can then develop from. And, and to hear somebody, and we're going to listen to this, say that, well, you know, you know, uh, you know, it's not fair. It's inequitable for certain people to have so much money and others not to have it. I say, and I'm sure you agree, that if you didn't have those who did have a lot of money, investing in those who don't have a lot of money but have a good idea, that's the way to go. And that gives you an opportunity to get your, you know, share of the American dream. Well, you know, let's let's listen to AOC. I mean, she calls herself a Democrat socialist. You know, I I don't know really what that means. I think it's just socialist with, just, a, it's with a capital good. with a capital less. Yeah, I don't know any difference uh, at all in why Democrat socialist unless. The entire Democrat Party now has become socialist, which is also debatable. I mean, Germany <laughs> was a Democrat socialist republic. Or that's what they were coming out of, you know, in the Cold War. They were Democrat socialists. What were they? They were communists. Right. You're talking about Eastern Germany. Obviously. Yes, obviously. But uh, let's listen uh, to AOC here talking about uh, economic freedom. To me, capitalism at its core, what we're, what we're talking about when we talk about that is the absolute pursuit of profit at all human, environmental, and social cost. Well, 
Rich, those folks, those entrepreneurs that are sitting around their kitchen table right now thinking about how they could participate in the American dream for themselves, for their family, for the community, for their country, creating jobs, doing all the great things. You know, they're good people. They're good people. I mean, she makes it sound like if you're an entrepreneur and you are driven by making a profit so you can you know, have that have that for your families, you know, to, to, to enjoy a good life, to go on a vacation. To, to go to a good school, to do all the things uh, that that you should if you work hard and take risk, you invest, and if you you should succeed, then you should benefit from that. Well, those are but the she's rewards. making it sound like like millions and millions and millions of American entrepreneurs are a bunch of monsters, and well, they want to destroy the environment, and they want to put everybody down, and you know they want to they want to take advantage of every little situation without giving anything back to their community and to their workers. It's absolutely nonsense. Well, I mean, there's more for her to say here, but the point of the matter is, you know, what's her alternative? Maybe she has an idea. Let's listen to the next clip. The ability for a very small group of actual capitalists, and that is people who have so much money that their money makes money and they don't have to work, uh, and they can control industry. Well, I got to tell you, I know a lot of successful people, mm-hmm. and just because they've made money and they're investing their money and they're looking at opportunities and they're taking risks on other entrepreneurs and small businesses because they could ne- they could be the next Facebook, they're the next Apple, they're the next Google, and they're out there working to find these and to nurture and, and to help them and to provide their their knowledge and support. That's working. You know what that's called? Steve Jobs. That's Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs didn't come from a wealthy family. He had a better idea and a better mousetrap. And that's where it goes. Well, Rich, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we're going to be back again right now. Just a few seconds. Stay with us. We've got a lot more to talk about. American industry. This is Made in America with Neil Asbury and Rich Rothman. We are back. Thanks for staying with us. We got so much to talk about and great guests, great topics, so important for our country, for you, for our communities. Uh, And right now, something that's getting a lot of press, it's everywhere, everywhere you look, uh, is supply chain. Right. I mean, people have not talked about supply chain this much in the history of supply chains as we have in the last in the last, uh, you know, three to four weeks, you know, really going over the last four months or five months. Well, I would say since the first printing of William, you know, uh, uh, Webster Dictionary. It's yeah. So everybody's, you know, everybody's uh, uh, learning about supply chains, unfortunately, not happily, but unfortunately. In uh, the lack of products and just everywhere. I mean, I'm a, I'm a manufacturer, and, and, and we buy user interfaces for a lot of things that we make, appliances that we make, both commercial and consumer. And the chip problem right now and getting chips, a resin, plastic resins, I mean, just, just you name it. It's in short supply and or no supply at all. Let's talk more about supply chains with Eric Beyer, president and CEO of the National Association of Chemical Distributors. Eric, welcome to Made in America. Oh, thanks for having me on, Neil. I appreciate it. So, you know, 
Is there an end in sight? Uh, because, I mean, chemicals, I mean, chemicals goes in everything. I mean, I can't imagine how many manufacturers, you know, that you're supporting through your association that need your product. And, uh, you know, you are the, the input, the, the first input into products uh, that we need, that we desperately need. And, uh, you know, you're hearing manufacturers, you know, assembly operations closing down all the time because they can't get the materials, the components that they need to build their products. So where are we at with the chemical industry, and do you see any end in sight? I wish I could say we did see an end in sight, but it's, uh, I don't at this point. I mean, people are given their usual forecasts of that we can get through 2022, we'll be okay by 2023, but we said that last year, about this year, and that's not going to be the case from what I can tell right now. But, I mean, you, you covered a really good topic. I mean, you know, computer chips and, you know, the plastic ribbons or the spray that goes over them and it gets put into the dashboard of cars or into computers, whatever it may be. I mean, these types of things are really critical to everyday consumer use and purchase. Um, I look at things like citric acid. It's a, it's a product that is manufactured here in a limited way, but very much abroad and is brought into the country by containers. And I can tell you, we are we are on limited supply right now. And uh, you know, citric acid it goes into everything. So whether it's something that's a sports drink, you know, my kids drink vitamin water all the time, or it's Coca-Cola or soft drinks. It could go into food items. It could go into cleaning products. We start running out of those things, and the shelves that you see at the store that are down to the front two rows, because the other four rows have already disappeared, they're going to be down to nothing. We have to have those products coming into this country, or otherwise there will not be the availability of those cleaning supplies that people use every day, or the Coca-Cola that you drink every day, or the vitamin water that you do after a workout. That's the stuff that I would say in the next couple months, if we do not see a freeing up of the supply chain and getting more of those container ships in, and it's not just the West Coast, it's around the Panama Canal through and up to the East Coast, if we don't see a freeing up of those ports to get those containers in, it's going to be rough rough sledding. And I, I got to tell you, it's, it's going to get a little better, and then I think it's going to get bad again because you have those ups and downs in the supply chain with the events, you know, the holidays and those types of things. Well, also, um, you're going to have a situation where there's such a pent-up need for the product and the products in such low supply that once you have product come in, it gets eaten up right away and you can't get it. Correct. And if you can get it, you're paying a premium to get it yep. due to the fact that they can't get it. You know, it's, it's yep. simple, you know, supply and demand, and that's the way it works, yep. supply chain uh, economics. So, so what's the resolution on this? I mean, we're seeing right now, um, starting in the north in Canada, where the truckers have, have said, well, enough is enough. We need to get back to a normal life. We need to be able to let us do what we do, which is supplying and delivering the products that you all need throughout Canada. Now, the, the U.S. is starting to be very, not empathetic, but totally sympathetic to that in terms of our drivers, our delivery people, our shippers. And, and so... It seems to me that maybe all of a sudden, do you think there's a hope that once you have the working class, which it really is, the working class versus the elites, um, that something can happen? Yeah, I mean, so look, there's, there are three different parts of the supply chain process. You've got the ca- ocean carriers that are coming in the container ships and bringing product into the United States. You've got the, the, the railroads that are bringing it in, you know, large quantities from the West Coast and down from Canada to the other East Coast parts of the country. And then you've obviously got the, the trucking component. They're all critical to be working in, in, I think, some kind of, you know, systematic process where they're talking to each other and they're working in a way to make sure the product moves. That's not happening right now. 
the carriers, the ocean carriers are taking their, their, their I, I would say not their time, but they're certainly charging what they want to charge at historic levels, and they're, they're bunching things up at the West Coast ports, especially out in San Pedro Bay. You've got, obviously, the rail community that has their issues, and you've got the trucking community where, I mean, we could talk about driver shortage or not or whatever it may be. They're very disjointed, and we have to have the three of them in sync, rowing in the same direction. Otherwise, we have problems. That's just a fact of life. When those three get in sync, I think things will get better. Do I think the, the, the supply chain process is probably at the worst it's ever been? Yeah, and I think it's going to get worse. Do we need the trucking community to be uh, in sync with the rail community? Absolutely. Those all have to happen. So it's not just one. I think it's got to be all three, and they've got to be really focused on being in sync and doing their thing together. Because otherwise, the American consumer pays for it, uh, you know, whether it's you're paying for it you know, at the at Target or Walmart, online, at Amazon. It doesn't matter where you're doing it. It's all going to be increased prices. You know, what it seems to me, and you just hit on it, too, I think you did a good job explaining that. This is, you know, Neil, Neil this is multi-problematic. This is, and it seems to me a very unusual scenario. Everything that Eric just described is true. But then you, then you have other things that are affecting the way things are happening. Energy is, is, yep. is in a horrible situation right now. Yep. Worker situation, horrible right now. Wages... Not in a great situation right now. Even though the wages are growing, with inflation and everything that's happening with that, the wages growth means nothing. They're two and a half, three points below where they should be. But And then on top of all of that, with the job market, you can put that in the top, then you have politics. And we're playing yeah. politics right now. So when you put all that together into the cauldron, you know, sort of like... Don't forget know, inflation. And, and, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's that inflation. inflation. exactly. Yeah, don't forget inflation, because all of this is creating inflation. I mean, inflation is the agnostic tax. Everybody, you, me, everyone, our cousins, they're all paying for this inflation. So it seems to me we need somebody with some incredible leadership to say, wait a second, we've got to get all this under control, because you're right, there are so many loose elements here that it takes a, a lot of strength to get it all together. Yeah, Rich, I think you're right on. And, I, you know, there's always that underlying principle that if you communicate well, things can get done effectively. And I, I feel like we're politically, we're, we're certainly, you know, as I want to say it's a frustrating time to be here in the swamp, but it really is. I mean, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. We're not doing anything on Capitol Hill right now. And when you have things that are going on that are affecting the American consumer as much as they are with the supply chain issues that are happening. So whether, you know, I had a good example. I was just talking to the Federal Maritime Commission, you know, about an hour and a half ago. And one of my members pointed out that if I had to look at the inflationary cost of what it you know, would be for me to get a gallon of milk a year and a half ago, it was $3 for a gallon. Today, it's $22. I mean, that's a 900% increase over what we were paying 18 months ago. I said those are the types of things that you would think the political folks on Capitol Hill and in the regulatory agencies would sit there and say, hey, we have got to find a better way to bipartisanly work across the aisle and make sure we find a way to help the American consumer so they don't end up not having a job or have to shut down their doors and they can't make payroll and their company goes belly up. I mean, those are the facts of life that we're, we're being confronted with with the supply chain. My guys, if they cannot bring in four or five containers of a certain product in a quarter, will not be able to make payroll and will shut down. That is a fact. And that's not the only, we're not the only part of the, uh, the supply chain that's going to have a similar result. There's going to be other parts as well. That can't happen. People have got to recognize that this is a crisis that we are now embarking upon, and there has to be some common sense and a resolution to make it go away. Well, Eric, um, we're going to give you the last word on that because you wrapped it up very, very well. Eric Beyer, President and CEO of the National Association of Chemical Distributors. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Coming up, 
Dr. Rich and I are going to talk about what's happening up there in Canada. This is really, really incredible. Stay with us. Welcome back. We are made in America, and we're happy that you're here with us today. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, and joined with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. And uh, as said just a moment ago, let's talk a little bit about what's happening up in Canada. I mean, Rich, I've been uh, glued to these stories. I've just been watching this. I'm so fascinated by it, just because Canada doesn't do this. You know, Canada, they just go along with it, and they just kind of, like, follow it. And and uh, when you talk about the lockdowns and the stuff that was happening in the United States over the last couple of years, Canada took it to a whole nother level. I mean, a whole nother level. Well, it became fairly authoritarian. I mean, yeah. very authoritarian. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you know, even blue states uh, were, were more moderate than what Canada was. But what we didn't know at the time was, you know, underneath the surface, there was a lot of resentment going on, a lot of resentment going on. And uh, it just bubbled over and you see what's going on. And it doesn't look like they're backing down. In fact, it looks like they're these truckers are expanding their protests, you know, throughout the country and, um, you know, into into to Windsor and to Manitoba and to yeah. you know, just throughout the country. And, and what and they're, they're inspiring a, a, a global movement, including potentially here in the United States. And certainly in Europe, New Zealand, look at the New Zealands, New Zealanders. They really went through hell this last couple of years with their lockdowns. Well, they gave up lamb chops. <laughs> so just want you to be aware of that. That was a supreme sacrifice for them. Just so, you know uh, but, you know, <laughs> amazing what's what, what's happening and how this thing is catching on. So let's listen to Prime Minister Trudeau kind of sum things up from his perspective. The people of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. They don't deserve to be confronted with the inherent violence of a swastika flying on a street corner or a Confederate flag or the insults and jeers just because they're wearing a mask. That's not who Canada, who Canadians are. That's not what Canadians demonstrated over the past two years of consistently, continually being there for each other. The people of Ottawa, indeed people across the country, deserve to have their safety respected and deserve to get their lives back. I guess he's right about that last point, right, Rich? People want to get their lives back. Which is exactly and why that's they're exactly protesting. exactly why these people are protesting. <laughs> the whole point is that Trudeau took it away from them. He's such a dogmatic, authoritarian, you know, dictator. That's what he's turned into. And, and I just find it amazing. You know, they, they have been there for each other. Well, the point is, Mr. Trudeau, when they were together to help each other, i.e. In, in their church, they were arrested. They, were, they took the, the, the pastor of the church, the minister of the church, and they dragged him out. When he was driving somewhere, the cops pulled him over. They pulled him out of his car and treated him like a criminal. Why? Because he had people come together. You know, when people are in, in a very bad situation, they look for their faith to believe and help each other. It, it provides sustenance to them, emotional sustenance. Well, Trudeau took that away. 
Exactly. And, you know, if you look at these people, you know, they just want their lives back. They want their livelihoods back. They don't be able to work. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they're completely missing the point. I just don't see how these two sides reconcile this because, you know, Trudeau's really dug himself into a corner. Well, here. you know, he dug himself in and he's lying. I mean, there was one, there was actually one Confederate flag, which, by the way, in Canada, what they I didn't even know what that means in Canada. They're looking at it and saying, what is this? They They're not know. sure what it is. But that's the point, is that that's when you know that they are really, really sweating it out right now. Oh, he, he's they have worried. To turn, they have to turn this something into what it's not, right? And some little fringe little thing going on out of this massive movement of tens of thousands of people in all these trucks. And, you know, you take this really isolated thing and you try to contaminate the whole thing. These are real, real genuine people. Listen to them, Mr. Prime Minister. This is the time that they need a leader. Be the leader that they need and indeed the world needs to get through this. Anyway, I'm sure you're not listening, but if you did, that's what I'd tell you. Hey, Rich. Um, we got to go. Uh, we're going to be right back uh, for another uh, a round of uh, discussion. Very important stuff to talk about. Stay with us. Welcome back to Made in America. We're so happy you're with us. You're together with host. Neil Asbury and Dr. Rich Rothman having a great show today. Enjoyed immensely our discussion. We've had some great, great guests. And uh, Rich has something that's occurred on our show, and we've done, I don't know how many shows together over the last, over the last many, many years. 14 years. 14 years. I 14 mean, years. For radio, I mean, that's an eternity. I mean, really, to have a show on for 14 years is, is Could absolutely Could have gestated incredible. a herd of elephants. <laughs> Well, boy, I just I, thought about that. I never heard it put that way. Well, we could have. I, well, we could okay. have. We could have been on Incredible Doctor Poll. Well, That's what we could have I'm, been on. I'm going to have to take your word for yeah. it, and um, and I won't even <laughs> I won't even look that one up. I'm not even going to Google that one. But uh, as we've been doing the last few weeks, it's been really fun. Uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. I mean, he just has a way of words, and uh, as we kind of get towards the uh, end of our show, it's always cool to kind of hear in from the senator. So so can we listen to Senator Kennedy? I think President Biden has tolerated a lot of this. Um, an uncharitable person might say that uh, his silence indicates that he's, at least the administration is more interested in Super, go, go, super Bowl guacamole than the crime rate. And, and the only way, it seems to me, that in America we're going to address this problem is from the top down. Bottom up works too, but President Biden needs to address this issue and, uh, and the change in the leadership of some of our public officials. So more interested in Super Bowl guacamole than the crime that's sweeping our country. And I got to tell you, I, I read so much, you know, every day from various news services on, on all different points of view. But this crime thing is really, really getting out of control. I mean, really, really out of control. And it's, 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 it's not just like one element of crime. I mean, it's coming from so many different places and so many different types of crime. I mean, groups of people going into stores and stealing everything. 
I mean, people with baseball bats, I mean, I saw this the other day, coming up behind a woman and hitting her in the head, like full swing. I mean, pushing pushing Asian women off the platform of, of, of an oncoming subway and then a subway terminal in New York City. Or beating a woman in the street and she bangs her head and she dies two days later. The, and, 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 and the drugs. There are quite a few of these. And, and, then, and then you got these homeless cities like in San Francisco. I was just in San Francisco last week. And, 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 I, and, I, and actually, my meeting was just outside of San Francisco. But if I stay the night and I'm there, I always go downtown San Francisco. I love to go to the wharf. I love to be there. I didn't go anywhere near it. I have no desire to go to San Francisco. I'll stay out of town. Well, I'll stay out of town. I don't want to be there. Neil, how, how can we address the crime situation, and the president particularly, has to, because it does start from the top down. When the Democrats are going to approve uh, using taxpayer money to give uh, uh, crack pipes, good, clean, top-quality crack pipes to the addicts, uh, so it's an equitable situation. And for us to do that, to me, I mean, that's just, you know what I was thinking? That's, maybe that's a good idea, because he has the ability to get a really good administrator for that, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden would be perfect to oversee the program that Joe Biden wants to put out there to the crack addicts using crack pipes because he has one person in his administration that has real-time experience. And he can well, do it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's That's sad. one thing he knows about. But this crime thing, we got to understand. We got to understand how it's impacting our businesses, right? And if you see these these pictures of this crime going on. A, they're just attacking businesses just straight up, like going right in there and cleaning off the shelves on all kinds of things. And it's not just luxury goods. I mean, it's going into your neighborhood uh, uh, convenience store and wiping it just out. Just wiping them out. Going and these in, are mom going and Going into your pharmacy and wiping them out to where they don't even want to open their businesses. They can't open their businesses. And then you get some DA say, well, it's, it's their fault because they should have better security. And they have security and they and they do something and then they're pulled in because of some civil rights issue or or, 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 well, or some Neil. something that, you know, law enforcement has gone too far. You've tried to protect yourself, but you don't have the right to protect yourself. It's it's absolute BS. How can businesses survive? How well, they can they pay don't, their taxes? They don't because Walgreens shut down a ton of stores in San Francisco. Why? Because they couldn't handle the theft. The lack of security. What company is going to move in that environment and create jobs? It's going the other way. We're losing jobs. We're losing good companies. It's got to change. Remember it at the polls. Do not forget this. You will not forget this come November. Well, Rich, you got the last word. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end it on that very, very sad note. But we're going to be back again next week for another adventure of Made in America where we never stop fighting for your jobs. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.